Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Good morning, it's Mary Stone once again on the screen porch. Welcome, welcome. We have actually been watching a bear down in the cabbage field. We have a uh, boggy area just beyond the brook, and there is a full field of skunk cabbage that bear love to eat. We talked about that in episode 27, Skunk Cabbage Appeal, Rhubarb Review. And interestingly, skunk cabbage and rhubarb come from the same family, so you may want to jump back to that story. And I'm kind of wondering, is it the same bear that visited then? Hmm, maybe. Anyway, thanks to you that reached out to me about the last story about watering new plant babies. I heard so many little fun stories, and one of them came from Carolyn. I call her my gardening apprentice. She's actually a client of mine for the last three years, and when we installed her garden, she kept up with that watering. I have to tell you, I heard a little bit of rumbling about it. (laughs) She's running a business as well, so of course a very busy lady, but... um, One of the things to think about is that new baby time doesn't last very long, just like the time with a puppy or a kitten or your own children. But of course, we can just cherish the memories forever, no matter how quickly they grow up, right? So today we're going to share a story from a road walk with Jolie. I picked up a tulip tree flower, and it actually made me smile because it reminded me of a story a while back, which we'll talk about. I posted the uh, flower on the social media. Believe me, I'm not savvy at such things, although I am there, as you will hear in the tag. I am on Instagram and Facebook and all that. But um, I posted the photo as a Friday's find. I mean, it's so beautiful. It's like a palm-sized yellow tulip, and it was open, like almost like an eyeball, with delicate orange cornea centering a yellow pupil with lovely little tufts, almost look like a little yarn coming up from the center. And of course, it's on the website, so when you look at the column, you'll see that photo. And maybe, just maybe, it'll become a routine for me to, you know, post a photo every Friday, calling it Friday's Finds. Hmm, we may be on to something. Relishing the flower reminded me of an extraordinary volunteer tulip tree that turned into a column that starts like this. Hello, fellow listeners and readers. On Friday, while walking Jolie, I came upon a flower of a tulip tree attached to a cluster of leaves along the road. I learned about the culprit, squirrels building nests or sharpening their teeth, which became a column titled Litter of Tree Tips. And that also was a podcast in episode 15. We see the tree tips along roads and walks in spring. Mother Nature's way of pruning... (laughs) We rarely see tulip flowers up close and personal as they're in their glory in late May or June, but they tend to be high in the tree. We usually only see the petals of the flowers when they drop in June. Plus, baby trees take six to ten years to bloom, so the squirrel's castaway was a treasure to hold. Literally a treasure to hold. I just loved having it in my hand, and that photo, by the way, (laughs) has the image of Jolie in front of the flower with the sun gleaming on her, so it's quite special, if I may say so myself. There's a mama tulip tree that stands about 30 feet away from the screen porch. 
and it sprouted a baby tree right where a blue spruce once lived. When we moved to the property, I adored Mr. Blue just outside the screen porch, and it had an octagonal handcrafted wood birdhouse sitting right next to it. I'd especially love how the snow coated the branches of the tree and made a top hat on the birdhouse. Winter landscapes are beautiful if designed with winter in mind, but as the years unfolded, the birdhouse decayed and fell, and the blue spruce began dying from the bottom up, as stands of them have for the last several years, caused by needle cast or canker disease. I considered removing Mr. Blue, but he'd push out intense blue needles each spring, changing my mind. Then the new needles would fade, and the brown cast of disease showed through. The sad day came to cut down Mr. Blue. Then the baby tulip tree arrived, a volunteer sapling almost in the same spot. I kept the treasure to myself, knowing the vigor and speed of its growth, knowing that Kurt would say, it's too close to the house. Tulip trees get their name from their tulip-shaped leaves and flowers. They grow to 70 to 90 feet with a 30 to 50 foot spread at maturity. Some actually grow to 150 to 190 feet, making them one of the tallest native Eastern American trees. Also known as tulip poplar, yellow poplar, or tulip magnolia. But baby tulip trees will grow about 15 to 20 feet in 6 to 8 years. So it won't be very long until it stands as tall as its mother, my little baby tree, which my mother tree is probably, gosh, 40 feet. It's literally sitting right in front of me right now, and I admire it when I wake up in the morning when I have campouts on the futon. Though they are fast growers, they are hardwood trees. The fine grain wood is known as poplar in the trades, short for yellow poplar, and is often used for furniture and carpentry in homes. A bit of history. George Washington planted tulip trees at Mount Vernon that now stand 140 feet tall. And Daniel Boone used a tulip tree for a 60-foot dugout canoe. One day my baby was found. Kurt claimed we should move it before it gets too large, but I admire it from my writing spot on the screen porch. Its glorious hand-sized lime green leaves are a beautiful contrast to the hemlock behind it, and I adore how the green leaves unfold like a flag and turn golden yellow in the fall. Tulip tree trunks are strikingly straight, and the mama tree has a commanding canopy, making standing below her feel sacred. In the winter, the dry remains of the flowers look like little cups reaching for the sky. They prefer full sun, although ours are thriving in half shade, and they are adaptable to clay, sandy, or loamy soil, preferably acidic. Wildlife relies on tulip trees. Actually, the Arbor Day Society has a wonderful description. In the fall and winter, your trees are browsed by white-tailed deer and rabbits. Now, these are the small trees, but of course, it doesn't take long for the branches to quickly grow out of reach. The spring flowers provide a nectar for ruby-throated hummingbirds. And tulip tree seeds, maturing in summer and persisting into winter, provide food for both birds and mammals, including finches, cardinals, quail, mice, red squirrels, gray squirrels, and rabbits so it is a wonderful tree for wildlife. So I'm defending my tree, Mr. Kurt. <laughs> Two years ago, Kurt took it upon himself to prune the top leader. By accident, he explained, reminding me we need to move the tree. We will come fall, I say, adding that 
When the tree is dormant is a better time, but leaf removal always takes precedence, and my baby tree remains. Yay! <laughs> I did feel really sad seeing the tree with a disfiguring haircut because topping a tree is never a good idea. It puts tremendous stress on the tree. It actually weakens the tree, and that's a story in itself, maybe, someday. Gratefully, though, as the season unfolded, new shoots filled in, and one has taken the lead. Trees are amazing. So amazing. Now the tree would be challenging to move. It's about a two-inch caliper, and it's 20 feet tall, but it's still doable. I'm keeping my mouth mum, though. There's something magical about a seed finding its way to a perfect spot, filling the void of an adored tree that served its time. Garden Dilemmas? AskMaryStone.com Well, I have to say, would I plant the tulip tree in that spot? No, I wouldn't because it is close to the house. I'm guessing it's maybe 15 feet. But I prefer not to change what Mother Nature decided to plant. Instead, admire and marvel over the miracle. Besides, it's a hardwood tree and the trunk is straight, so it's not going to fall on the house. It's a very stable tree, at least that's my opinion. Just keep it healthy. No topping the tree, Mr. Kurt. <laughs> Indeed, trees are resilient, and so are we. I just want to mention a quick update on my nephew's wife, Sammy, who's now out of the hospital. She did have her chemo port installed and she'll be starting treatments, but we are so, so grateful that she is maneuvering through this very difficult time. And again, I want to thank those of you that have prayed for her and our family. It really means so much. You know, thinking about resilience, thinking about overcoming disease, overcoming difficulties, thinking about my niece, thinking about how magical it is that nature does these things, you know, takes the place of a diseased tree with something so magnificent. As written in the Tao Te Ching over 2,500 years ago in verse 64, a tree that fills a man's embrace grows from a seedling. It goes on to say a very famous quote, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. Yes, indeed. So thanks so much for coming by. I always enjoy our time together, and I hope you have as well. And please share the podcast with your friends who may enjoy it as well. And if you haven't subscribed, I would appreciate it if you could, so that it magically appears in your feed. Thanks so much. Look forward to our next time together. Have a great day. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day.